Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Trust and dependence, which are characteristics of a child and their innocence lead to an attitude of humility. You see, a young child doesn't walk in the room at seven and go like, I'm the greatest. They just walk in the room and start hanging together, playing together. Now later, that sin nature comes out, doesn't it? And why did the sin nature come out? Because you gave it to them. They were born with you. What makes children so special? Why would Jesus single out a child as a model for adults to follow? Today, Pastor Mark will study the teachings of Christ and his call for us to be like a child. It's no secret that generally the older we get, the more pride we have. Jesus sees this as a stumbling block to many. Children are so carefree and reliant on others that they would never feel too good for Jesus. Their trust, dependency, and humility are the three main traits Pastor Mark points out and are traits that we, as mature adult believers, can strive for more of every day. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message entitled, Change is Required. Turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. How many of you think we can learn things from children? Anybody? That's exactly right. If you have children, you already know that. Here's some letters that a teacher asked their kids to write letters to God. Here's some letters. Dear God, If you give me a genie lamp like Aladdin, I will give you anything you want except my money and my chess set. Now, kids are honest, aren't they? They're just honest. Here's another one. Dear God, I think about you sometimes even when I'm not praying. Now, that's a sermon, but I can't preach it today. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. I love it. Dad may have had the same thoughts, but it's too late. (laughs) Now, here's only in America would somebody do this. Dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's nothing good in there now. (laughs) And the last one. Dear God, if you watch in church on Sunday, I'll show you my new shoes. (laughs) By the way, is God watching us today? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of things to learn from children. Jesus is going to teach us a lesson. He's going to say to his disciples, you got to be like children. Well, what does that mean? You mean I'm going to have to be like a child? Yes, you are. 
If you want to get into the kingdom of heaven, if you want to go to heaven, you have to have some characteristics and attitudes of a child. We're going to learn those together. We begin in chapter 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus had been talking about going to the cross. The disciples hear it, don't understand it. And in the background, they're busying themselves with this crazy question. When the kingdom comes, which one of us are going to be the greatest? Now, many of them probably talking thought, well, Pete will be. You know, he walked on water, he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, and man, last week he got to throw his fishing pole out, and there came a fish with a coin. Well, how was Jesus going to respond to that question? Who's the greatest? Verse 2, he called a little child. That little child would be anywhere between probably 6 to 10 to 11 years old. He called a little child and had him stand next to him. Actually, Mark says, Mark 9 says he brought the child forth and had put him in his arms. Now, it could be that they're in Peter's house. It could be Peter, one of Peter's children. We don't know. But Jesus was giving something that's very important that you know. He was going to give a visual illustration. Quite often when I'm coming in on Saturday night, I'll have a prop with me. Last week it was a fishing rod. People say, is that the prop you're going to use? Well, sure. Jesus was the master teacher. You see, we're visual people as well as being able to hear and so Jesus puts this child, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and, and right in front of them in the middle of them, and, and he's going to use this to teach his disciples that they have to change in three ways, and also there's five character traits that are represented. All of these apply to you and apply to me today. Well, how does Jesus answer it? Look at verse 3. Remember, he's got the child with him, and he says this. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you circle this in your Bible, unless you change and become like little children, you will never, circle this word, enter the kingdom of heaven. So notice the principle. I'm gonna, if I want to enter the kingdom of heaven, the word is enter, I'm going to have to change, and I'm going to have to become, if you want to circle another word, you can. Change, become, heaven. No change, no becoming, no heaven. Well, what in the world does Jesus mean by that? This is our first of three changes today. Number one, change is required to enter the kingdom of heaven. Change is required to enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, you just can't be born and go to heaven. Change is required. Now, that word change in the original language is interesting. In the Greek, it means conversion. It means to turn around. Doesn't mean a little change. It means a huge change. So what Jesus is saying is this. Um, Guys, you've asked the wrong question. Instead of asking who's the greatest, you should have been asking, how can I serve in your kingdom, Jesus? So Jesus says, in other words, well, 
I'm going to tell you, you've asked the wrong question, but I'm going to give you the answer. How can you get into the kingdom of heaven? Well, you're going to have, you're going to be required to change. It's not going to be an option. And you're going to have to change your thinking and you're going to have to learn to walk a different way. And you'll see that this question you've asked has no relevance at all to the kingdom of heaven. Now, the next three words I want you to write, I think are very important. Heaven is real. If you're here this morning and a Christian, you have a hope that non-Christians do not have. You see, when I die, because I have entered the kingdom, and I'll show you how to do that, I know I'm going to heaven. And not only am I going to see, obviously, Jesus, all the Old Testament saints, but I'm going to see my relatives, my mom and my dad, my in-laws, my brother, lots of friends through the years that have died. That's a great hope. This is not pie in the sky. Jesus is teaching. And he says, if you want to go to heaven, and by the way, it's real, then you're going to have to change. So heaven today is real. That should be a great hope to you and I. Now, what are the character? He says, if you're going to go to heaven, you have to be, change and be like a child. What is a child like? He's got this child, maybe five, six, seven, eight-year-old there. The child's in the middle. What can we learn from a child? Well, here's the first two character traits that you have to have if you're going to go to heaven. Number one, trust and faith. See, a child by nature is trusting. And that's why we have evil people, we'll talk about this later, that are destroying our children. Do you remember maybe the first time you went somewhere and you had your five, six, seven-year-old boy or girl with you and there was a swimming pool, could be in a neighbor's yard, your yard, your backyard, whatever, or maybe a hotel and you stop for the night and the kids want to go to the pool. So here they are at the edge and they're five or six and they've never been to the pool. So you hush, get, you got right in the pool and you put your arms out and you say, jump and I'll, I'll catch you. What do the kids do? Because they what? They trust you. They trust you. So Jesus says, the very first thing we have to have, if we're going to enter the kingdom of heaven, is faith. You have to believe the word of the Father. You see, being te- children are teachable, they're honest, and they're trustworthy. They're, they're just trusting. They're born instinctively to trust. Now, things happen later, we'll see it in our teaching, that cause them not to trust. Second character trait is dependence. When our children are born, unlike many animals, they cannot survive unless mom and dad take care of them in every way. Feeding, protection, guidance, warmth, every area of their life. Well, if I'm going to be a believer, I have to be dependent also. I have to understand spiritually, just as naturally children depend on their parents for food and protection and love, Christians must depend on God for salvation, for protection, and the provisions of life. Keep your finger right there. Quickly turn back to John chapter 3 with me. I want you to see this spiritual change 
this childlike faith, this dependence, how it happened in the real world. Same, same words, kind of different story, same whole procedure of how to get to heaven. In John chapter 3, we come across a man by the name of Nicodemus. He is a mature, well-educated Pharisee, Jew, who's incredibly religious. And he thought his religion, being a good person, trying to keep the law, he thought his religion would automatically get him into heaven. But you're going to see in this play between words, Jesus is going to say to him, no change is required. You're going to have to have faith, and you can't depend on your works. You're going to have to depend on the work of God on the cross. Well, look at verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish religious council. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. For some reason, Jesus just out of the blue gets right to the point. Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God. No one can go to heaven unless he is born again. Now, that word born again in the original language, it's interesting. Nicodemus would have understood it. We don't. If you just say born again, if you didn't have any religious background, you wouldn't understand what that means other than maybe a new start. Well, born again in the original language means it's born from above. So it's not physical, it's spiritual. You see, religion very often is only in the, in the physical kinds of things. We go to church, we come, we start at the right place, we do this, we do that, pretty soon an hour we're out of here and we're done with it. We've done our religious deal. No, it's a thing of the heart. And so Jesus is going to explain to that. And he says, you have to be born again. You have to be born from above. You're going to have to change. And he goes on and he says this. Nicodemus didn't understand it. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Duh. How many of you ladies even like thinking about that process? I don't think so. So... He is totally out of touch with what Jesus is saying. He misunderstands that the change isn't physical. That's exactly what most people think today. How do I get to heaven? It's the things I do here. It's physical. No, it is not. It's the spiritual things that only God can do in your heart. That's why faith and dependence come into your life. We're saved through grace by faith. That's the only way it can happen. It's a gift from God. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. He brings it back. No one can enter the kingdom of God. In other words, you have to change unless he is born of water, natural birth. You have to be naturally born. And second, you have to be spiritually born. Born of the Spirit. We come through that water sack as we're born in the natural, but then there's a spiritual birth that has to take place. So Jesus said, if you want to get to heaven, you're going to have to change. Same exact thing he's saying to his disciples. You want to get, you're talking about the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Wait a minute, let's back up. How are you going to get to heaven? You have to change. There has to be childlike faith and childlike dependence, realizing that everything we have is a gift from God. Now back to Matthew chapter 18. 
Then Jesus ties it together. He has the child with him. He said to the disciples, you're going to have to change. You're going to have to be different. You're going to have to be like this little child, and you're going to have to believe if you want to get to heaven. Verse 4. Therefore, whoever, circle this word, we'll be back to it, whoever humbles himself like this child, aha, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He finally answers their question. You want to be great in the kingdom of heaven? It comes from humility. Humility. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. Trust and dependence, which are characteristics of a child and their innocence, lead to an attitude of humility. You see, a young child doesn't walk in the room at seven and go like, I'm the greatest. They just walk in the room and start hanging together, playing together. Now later, that sin nature comes out, doesn't it? And why did the sin nature come out? Because you gave it to them. They were born with you. Well, our kids have a sin nature because they came through Linda and they came through me. But initially, they don't have that. They're humble. So what's the third character trait? Well, it comes out of trust and it comes out of dependence. The third character trait is humility. It's humility. I'll define it for you in a moment. Now, here's where you have to get your thinking cap on. We are talking about little children, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But we're also now, Jesus expands this. In the original language, it's expanded to more than a little child. It's all of us as children of God that are humble followers. So notice this definition. The child from now on, it does apply to a five, six, seven, eight-year-old, but it applies to you. If you're a Christian, and it applies to me. A child, all humble followers of Jesus who live like the children of God. So as we see child now, it's not just a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old. It's you and it's me. That brings us to our second change that's required. Change is required to be useful in the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus is going to expand this. The problem we have in the Christian world quite often, some of you come from this kind of a background, where all you do is get saved, and it really doesn't matter what happens the rest of your life. You just go through the religious ritual the deal. But Jesus isn't going to say that at all. In fact, Paul makes it exquisitely clear that once I'm born again, there's a second step. It's not just a convert, it's a disciple. Here's the second step found in Romans 8, 29. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. Now, I want us to read just this last part. Here's where we're going to do it. And he chose Mark to become like his son. We're going to read it, but I want you to put your name in there. Here we go. He chose, not that you're too slow. Here we go. He chose Mark to become like his son. So you've been chosen not just to be born again, but to become like him. How do I do it? We've already given you three steps. Faith, dependence, and humility. Now what does that humility, funny word, kind of sound like it? By the way, why is he talking to his disciples? Let me ask you a question. If you're arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom of God, do they have humility? 
know the farthest thing from it. All they're concerned about is themselves. You see, that's what the opposite of humility is pride. Pride only thinks of self. Ask who you've been thinking about this week. Because pride is ugly, and it's in me, and it's in you. You say, it's not in me. You already sinned. It is in you, and it's ugly. Here's a visual picture of how pride works in our life. If you take a pair of binoculars, and you know how they're supposed to work, and you reverse them, and you point that as God, and God becomes, watch me, God becomes very small. But you become very big. That's pride. Humility is the way binoculars are supposed to work. The picture on this end is very big. That's God. Me on this end, very small. That's what it means. Now, let me give a definition of humility and pride and how they counteract with each other. Pride is having too big a view of self and too small a view of God. You see, I will never be dependent if I can do it myself. So Jesus says to his disciples, hey, you're not thinking about the kingdom of God, you're thinking about yourself. How can I take care of me? Pride then leads to overconfidence, cocky attitude, self-wisdom. Pride simply says this, I want my way, I don't care if I run over you. Because as long as I get my way, that's all that matters. You see, disobedience is actually pride. Humility is an act of dependence. Everything I have from God is a gift from God. Oh, yes, I work hard, but God arranges all the circumstances, and everything I have is a gift. So how can I not be dependent and humble? Jim Cimbala from the Brooklyn Church says this, God is attracted to weakness. He can't resist those who humbly and honestly admit how desperately they need him. Do you realize how desperately you need God today? If Jesus Christ had not come and died on the cross... There's not a person in this room that has a chance of going to heaven. I need him desperately. I need him this afternoon. And see, if I don't go with that, that doesn't make me like a nobody. All I think of myself is less. Certainly God's gifted you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the counteracting of that is John 15, 5. Without him, I can do nothing. So it's a wonderful balance that the disciples hadn't come to know yet. You and I have to have that. That's got to be part of our life. Understand what that looks like. Pride is ugly to God because it makes him small and it makes me big. It's not every day you're challenged to be more like a child. Today, Pastor Mark taught us that Jesus requires a childlike faith to believe in him. He showed us several key character traits that set children apart in their ability to humbly follow Christ. We also learned that pride is having too big a view of self and too small a view of God. The lesson, therefore, sounds simple, but maybe you can learn more from children than you think. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Change is not only required to enter the kingdom of God, it is also required to be useful in the kingdom of God. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will show listeners the importance of humility in a Christian. A humble Christian is more often willing to sacrifice time and resources for others and less prone to be a stumbling block towards the work that the Lord is calling them to do. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry